now that Mac has lost like four straight games, Mac is not back, which is why they're going to win that game so that people now think again that Mac is back. Mac is very back. He's not back. Not now. After he beats NC State, he's going to be back. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the First Stand Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Technician Sports Editor Camden Spate. I'm Assistant Sports Editor Jay Cacavaro. And I'm Video Editor Jalen Harrington. And uh, we're going to get into some NC State football here shortly. Uh, interesting game against Boston College that did not go the packs away, that's for sure. Interesting to say the least. Yeah, first we're going to you know start off with a subject from the sports world, like we will every episode. And I'm going to let one of you guys explain it real quick. Because I don't know a whole lot about it. You guys brought it up. So when do you guys want to give this quick summary? Yeah, I got it. Uh, so basically what happened was last Saturday, um, the Clemson-Louisville game, which Clemson won, a uh, Clemson player threw a punch at a Louisville player. Uh, Clemson head coach Dabo Sweeney didn't let the kid fly home with the team. He had to ride the manager bus back home, which, first of all, why don't the managers get to fly with the team? But whatever. He made, he made the player ride back on the bus with the managers from Louisville to Clemson. Wouldn't let the player um, stay on the team playing with them pretty much as a punishment for throwing the punch and getting ejected. Um, it's something Dabo's done before. Uh, it's, I feel like most people are pretty torn on whether it's justified or not. Um, I guess you got to punish somehow. I don't really see any, I don't think there's much wrong with, with having to ride a bus instead of flying the plane. I don't think it really affected the kid's life that much, but I don't know. Curious your guys' takes yeah, on it. I don't I'm also kinda torn because I understand the punishment factor and I can guarantee, almost guarantee he won't do it again, that's for sure. But it's also he's part of the team. You know, I understand he made a mistake there. I don't know if there are any past incidents with him on the field or off the field, but I'm also kind of torn just like whether that's really a necessary step in the punishment of a player. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't know. You know, NC State dealt with a similar situation last year um, with the little brawl after the UNC game where a couple of players threw punches. Um, and all they got was halves, you know, a half during the ECU game. You know, I think it's within Dabo's right to make him ride back on the manager bus, but I'm not sure. I don't think I would have done that if I were in that position and if I were the coach. Yeah, I mean, I guess it just depends really on how, like, what what's the alternative? How else would he be punished? Like running in practice? Like, right. what? I guess I guess at the end of the day, there it's a victimless punishment. Like, it, it's not like he abused the kid in any way. But at the same time, like, yeah, why not? Why not just let him ride back on the plane then punishment? Why not let the managers ride on the plane? I still can't get over that yeah, part of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you but, there. <laughs> but, Do they come with too much equipment to go on the plane? Is that, that might be what it is. So they yeah. have a bus go out to their games to carry the equipment, which, I assume? Which would mean that it's a pretty nice bus. That yeah, he's I mean, I'm sure it is. So it can't be that terrible. No. I'm sure it's not, but like it is a quite a long like, you know, ride from Louisville to Clemson. At the so. same yeah. time, he's got data. He can play Angry Birds or something. He's got Snapchat. He'll be fine. They did talk about I don't it. I know he's a college athlete. He doesn't make a whole lot of money. <laughs> True. They did talk about it on ESPN's Get Up in the morning, and uh, Rex Ryan was on it. And Rex Ryan did say he loved it and would do it himself. So that actually makes me kind of inclined to believe maybe Dabo shouldn't have done it because <laughs> if Rex Ryan's doing something, your probably best bet is to do the opposite. That's but. a good point. 
All right, well, let's uh, let's move on to NC State. Bye week this upcoming week, so no game to preview for this podcast, but we're going to talk a whole lot about the Boston College game because NC State went up to Boston College and got absolutely whooped. It was 45-24 to 24 at the end of it, but it didn't even feel that close. NC State did not play well at all, and that you know really good rushing defense that the Pack had coming into the game, I think it was top 10 in the country. Yeah. It was like 66 yards a game, gave up you know, 429 rushing yards and 400 plus was the two people. And, you know, some interesting stuff in the quarterback room. Let's start there. The quarterback room, Jalen, uh, Devin Leary got, you know, significant playing time and it looks like he could be the man going forward. No, he, he clearly established himself as NC state's best quarterback, I think. And, you know, it was really something that was just waiting to happen. You know, from the beginning, the thing with Bailey Hockman was, he kept on throwing balls that could be picked. He kept on doing it and kept on doing it, and he never looked that much better than McKay. Certainly not as much as NC State fans were, you know, liking to think that he was better than McKay. So, you know, when he threw that pick six, it was like, all right, you know, it's over because he wasn't that explosive enough to get, you know, past the bad things that he does. And that's what Devin Leary brings you. You know, Devin Leary, one play will have a really nice throw. The next play, he'll do something bizarre that makes you throw up your hands like, what is this guy doing? You know, he'll also actually throw for touchdowns, which is something. Right. NC State quarterbacks this year have not had a good time throwing for touchdowns. So to see Devin Leary throw for three on four downs, every single one came on four down, you know, that's just the it factor. You know, Devin Leary has the it factor. And he's really, really impressive. And even if State can't win with him, at least he's exciting to watch. So Devin Leary went 15 for 33, 259 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Hawkman started the game. I think he played a one-quarter, four for 10, 27 yards, and a pick. Uh, Thayer Thomas, one for one, 24 yards. That's all I'm going to say for that right there. Of course. He should be QB too. He, okay, I'm, I'm like not like... Not joking about this, but like he might be the second best quarterback on the team. No, I mean, it's absolutely insane that literally every game, it seems, Thayer Thomas throws a pass and A, perfect placement usually. Exactly. And B, teams still don't understand hey, if Thayer Thomas gets the ball behind the line of scrimmage, he's going to be throwing it, guys. (laughs) Don't get it. The ACC or the Fox Sports uh, Carolinas uh, color guy even said, like, during the broadcast, there's a joke amongst NC State fans that Thayer Thomas is the team's best quarterback. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. not a joke, it's yeah. not, guys. <laughs> it's not, it's it's not, not a joke. joke. <laughs> we just don't have anyone else that can fill a spot at wide receiver. Yeah. Or he might be our quarterback. No, can, literally, when Bailey Hockman was in at quarterback, they consistently gave the ball to Thayer when they needed touchdowns because yeah. he couldn't throw touchdowns. Yeah. It, was, it was bizarre. I've never seen an offense have to do that. And I believe uh, Matthew McKay actually came in as quarterback later in the game at right. a goal line situation. Uh, I guess that was just because for his for his legs, right? Right. Um, Wait, they brought Matthew McKay. Matthew in to McKay run? had a he, couple of snaps in the red zone. Yeah, as Devin Leary was in. I don't know if he had any when Bailey was in, but yeah, they bring him in in the red zone, and he would just run the ball. Yeah. Which we didn't throw a, a pass at all. Which a was it's. Pretty stupid. I'm just going to put my opinion out there. Why do you think it's stupid? It's dumb dumb because because defenses know, right? When you throw a quarterback out there just to run the ball, they did the same with Jalen McClendon. 
if he's out there just to run the ball, everybody knows what you're going to do. You're going to run. They're going to play the run, and then you're going to take him off the field and put it in the passing quarterback. But I will actually say I, um, I giggled a little bit when I saw Matt McKay on the field because a couple of weeks ago, the most awkward moment I've seen at a Dave Dorn presser, Joe Jiglia um, of the News and Observer asked Dave straight up, hey, have you ever thought of using Matt McKay maybe in short down situations, maybe in the red zone, to score while Bailey's starting? And Dave gives him the coldest, we talk about everything, you know? <laughs> Joe Joe's coaching the team now, Joe I think. <laughs> is. They, Joe, Dave must have went back like, hey, you know, that's a terrible idea. Maybe that's a good idea. We'll give it a shot. <laughs> no, but I mean... I'm not against seeing some Matt McKay, but just don't throw him in there and only run the ball. Matt McKay has been able to throw touchdowns in the red zone. Yeah, they were against, you know, sucky teams, but he has the ability. Let him at least be a dual threat in the red zone. The whole idea is that he can run, right? And he can pass. Let him do both instead of just one. I just remember a day when Jalen was very adamant the that whole, wait a second, dual threat wait a second, run. Wait a second. I said the whole idea. I never okay, said he okay. was dual threat. Right, I will right. say when Matt McKay ran the ball, he um, he lost yards both times. Two attempts, negative five yards. So dual threat. Yikes. Yeah, not great. No, I think he I think he gained five and lost five. That's a net of zero. Oh, is it? Uh, yeah. Okay, I'm so sorry. So he, di- he didn't go backwards. Come I'm on, I'm sorry. He had an average. He had an average of zero. I want to talk about the the running game a little bit because <laughs> I feel like for me that's kind of what's been most troubling because on the offensive side of the ball, the running backs were supposed to be the strength of the team. Yeah, and against Boston College, you know, you had six players. You know, have rushes. Three of those were quarterbacks, but you had 56 yards net of, ru- of rushing yards, and I just don't understand how that should be possible. Knight only got you know 10 10 attempts. Houston had seven. Pinnix had two of two uh, rushing attempts, but neither n- none of the running backs are really getting any ground, and that was supposed to be what was going to be explosive about this team. Right. Um. Yeah. The rushing attack has been disappointing, and you know. I'll shoot and see, say a little bit of bail. You know, you got your right tackle out for the game, Justin Witt. Again, um, reports are he's out for the season now. It's another injury to think about. And you've got a BC team that, you know, their focus coming in was they were going to stop the run and make NC State pass. And they successfully forced NC State to do that. I will say um, I've been really surprised with how good Jordan Houston has been. You know, I knew going into the year it was going to be a three-headed attack. Um Four and a half or 4.9 yards average per carry, pretty good from him. 2.7 from Zonovan Knight is really surprising, really not good. Um, I think part of this you gotta lay at the coaches, you know, co OCs, Des Kitchings, and George McDonald. They have to find a way to scheme these guys better. You know, this isn't last year where Reggie Gillespie had to go between the tackles every single, you know, every single attempt. These two backs are really fast. You got to get them, you know, whether it's jet sweeps, just get them outside of the tackles, get them on the edge, and let them move the defense from side to side. And I think you'll see a little bit better results. But the most surprising thing is in the red zone, when they try to run in the red zone, they can't get anything going. And, you know, you need that. So if you can't pass in the red zone and you can't run in the red zone, then of course you're going to be done. Yeah, it's going to be field goals every single time. You know, we talked a lot about the quarterbacks not being able to throw touchdowns. The running backs haven't been able to score lately either, and that's also holding back NC State's offense. 
I feel like we don't talk a whole lot about the receivers on the team. I feel like the whole discussion has been about the quarterback. If the quarterback's good, the receivers will do fine. I do want to show some love to Devin Carter because he had six receptions for 140 yards, yeah. which is I would I think it's like the best performance of the, any receiver this year. I think that that wouldn't surprise me. I yeah, think. most receiving yards this season. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and you know I want to get your take on how the receivers have done because. I feel like there's been some drops, you know, maybe not executing as much as we thought that they would. I feel like Amezi's been a little shaky. Yeah. Um, but what is your take on how good they're playing? So the receivers have definitely disappointed. You know, coming into the year, the idea was, oh, the receivers are going to be so good, so deep. You know, even though we're losing two great players, you know, there's nothing to worry about. Not so, right? Emeka Amezi has been less than advertised, you know, coming into the year. And... Who knows what the reason for that is, but the results aren't there on paper. And what I will say is it seems to be a lot different with Devin Leary in the game. You know, Devin Carter is a favorite target of Devin Leary. Um, his longest reception was 55 yards. That was a ball from Devin Leary. You know, Thayer Thomas, his two touchdowns in the red zone, both came from Devin Leary. You know, you've got Kerry Angeline. Carrie Angeline, um, I feel like Devin Leary read my takeaways from the week before <laughs> That's what it was. where I asked whose dog did Carrie Angeline kick because he targeted Carrie Angeline, you know, more than Carrie's been targeted throughout this year. He had three receptions, 55 yards, a touchdown, and he's a good safety blanket, you know, especially for a young quarterback having a guy that big. Exactly. Hit him. He, he's six, seven. And. Kerry had one touchdown. He should have had a second. He had one where up the sideline, if he had broke that last tackle, the way was clear, you know. There are weapons in the receiving core that have been underutilized, and they've also shot themselves in the foot, especially Tabari Hines. You know, so maybe now that there's a set quarterback and there's someone that the team believes in, because that's also something that we can talk about. There were always, you know, a little bit of tension there between when Matt McKay was quarterback and receivers would say, not blaming anyone, but there's plays out there that aren't being made. There are receivers that are open, not getting the ball, mm. right? There were little shots being sent, and I feel like now that Devin Leary's starting, we might see a little better performance from the wide receivers. So let's get to the kind of the elephant in the room here, and that is the rushing defense because, like I said, NC State came in only allowing 66 rushing yards a game, and the defense allows 429. And and we talked about this last week, that A.J. Dillon is a great back. And if NC State could contain A.J. Dillon, then the pack would have a chance in the game. And that is not at all what happened. A.J. Dillon himself ran for 223 yards and three touchdowns. So what, like, was it just like, like, we knew they were going to run. They only threw it 15 times. They only completed six of them. So, like, how come there was no pressure? There was They couldn't stop anybody. You know, we said before the game, this, you know, this game was going to be good on good, right? BC has a very good offensive line, and they also use two tight ends, and those two tight ends are always great run blockers. You know, this was good on good, and BC's good one. Um, part of this is also injuries. Right, I'm going to read you just a quick list of every defensive player who is out for this game. All right, C.J. Clark, defensive tackle, okay? You've got Chris Ingram, cornerback. You've got Khaled Martin, safety. Val Martin, 
uh, nose tackle. Nick McLeod, cornerback. Uh, you've got Tyon Palmer, cornerback. You've got you've got Cecil Powell, who can play both ways. You know, you've got Tashawn Smith, cornerback. James Smith Williams, defensive end. You know, there were a lot of players for NC State who were injured during this game. A lot. You know, you had safeties starting at cornerback for NC State. Yeah, yeah, that there, this is true. There I get are a it. lot of injuries, and I wrote in my takeaways that you know you would think against an offensive line like that that plays two big tight ends, maybe they should have gone four two five. That was before I saw the participation and saw they didn't have the bodies to go four two five. They couldn't throw out enough defensive tackles right. to rotate and go four two five, and that's part of the issue. That's now, a good point. Now another issue was you know there were long runs where the linebacker was there in the backfield and did not make the tackle. There were multiple instances I remember watching the game right. where the linebacker w- just got ran by. Right. It's not even that like he missed a tackle, but like he just didn't anticipate, and the running back was just gone. Right. Right. And and that's another big thing, you know. Run fits have been a bit of an issue this year, and for the most part, they've been cleaned up lately, but against a team like BC that blocks as well as they do, I mean, there were offensive tackles just living in the second level. Like, that's not good. Yeah. And it was just, I think it was one of those games, I was reminded of the Gator Bowl, where they get a couple long runs, and it feels like the defense just kind of gives in, and they're like, all right, what can we do? And it just turned ugly fast. I mean, it was what, 24-3 at halftime? Um, let's see. I got it right yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. 24-3 at halftime. I mean, what can you do at that point? It's awful. Like, I, it, it, they just, the defense, every time I turned around, yeah. a BC running back was, like, going down the field. Yeah. It didn't matter if it was um, A.J. Dillon. It didn't matter if it was backup. I don't remember what his name David was. David Bailey. Yeah. Yeah. He, I mean, he just, like, like looked faster than everybody else on the field, and that's yeah. not even possible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and you know it's bad when your hard-hitting safety, Tanner Engel, hits the guy as hard as he can. You know, one of his wrenches, heat-seeking missile hits, he hurts himself on that play. And you're looking around like, wait, that State's best tackler probably in the secondary, he's hurt trying to tackle these guys. And he's playing hurt because they can't sub him out. You know, it's it's that was an ugly game. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just and, thinking about it. that was an ugly and game. And it seems like when NC State has success, it's because the team gets pressure into right. the backfield. Right. No sacks for NC State, which is part of the problem is they only threw it 15 times yeah. in Boston College, and they only completed six passes. So there there weren't a whole lot of opportunities to get a sack, but you know not getting a sack is part of the problem because that's a big part of the team. Yeah. Because there there was a stretch there where I think they had like 16 sacks in two games and. You know, they played, they don't, I think they won one of those games, but even Mm -hmm. still, like, you know, that is a huge part of this defense. And if you can't do that, then you're just not going to find success, especially against the the running game that was that good. Right. If you can't get the offense off schedule, you're going to have a bad day. And, you know, they never got them into those second and long situations that really gives the defense confidence and lets them pin their ears back and come. You know, it's hard. It's hard when you can't get pressure on the quarterback. You know, he had six completions that went for 103 yards. Yeah. You know, it's well, The just, longest one was 55, and part of that is these defensive players are anticipating the run. They, yeah. they rushed it 60 times. Yeah. 
you always anticipate the run because you you have to if you're going to be able to tackle the guy. Yeah, and you get hit with and play then you action. get hit with the guy you know going downfield behind you, and it's right, right. And I mentioned and I mentioned that and and. You know, with Dave, he likes to leave those corners on islands because to stop the run, you have to do that, right? The problem is, in play action, you've got no help. You know, you might have a deep safety in the middle. It's about it. So when you get beat on a play action, that's it. <laughs> you have to chase after the guy and hope you can catch him, you know? And this is just an ugly game. And I think the the good thing for NC State fans to think about is the fact that this is probably the worst matchup for this defense, you know, the three-three-five is not set up to stop an offensive line with two tight ends, you know, a Steve Adazio type running game. It's probably not. So this is the worst matchup that they've got. It's hopefully the most injuries that they'll have to deal with in a game this year. Need to get healthy. Absolutely need to. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, Nick McLeod, at this point, he might redshirt this year. That's true. If he, he redshirts this he? year, yeah, 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 he could. And if he redshirts this year, then what? NC State would be down there number one, number two, number five. Um, and if Tassan Smith can't go, I think he might be out for the year as well, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to speak on that because I'm not sure. Right. Um, he'd be the number three. <laughs> so you would just have your number four corner for the rest of the year. You know, that's insane, and that's a level of injuries that no team can deal with. I don't care if you're Clemson. You can't deal with that level of injuries. So let's take a look at the rest of the season because NC State's, what, 4-3 and three now. Yeah. Need to get to 6. 6 is the big number to get to that bowl game, right. that nice Belk Bowl or something. <laughs> uh, five games remaining. You're at Wake Forest. You're home against Clemson. You're home against Louisville. You're at Georgia Tech. And then home against UNC to close out the season. You know, I'm going to go, you know, you go ahead and pencil in a loss at Clemson yeah. against or, Clemson. Yeah, yeah. You have the four remaining games other than that, and you have to go 500. You have to win two of those four games. Yeah. I mean, and Wake Forest has been the bane of NC State's existence, it seems like. So, like, what is, what's the best option? Is it Georgia Tech the best, you know, chance for a win? Yeah. My confidence index right now is what? Highest would be for Georgia Tech right. at Georgia Tech. A Georgia Tech team that just beat Miami at Miami, I believe. Right. Not great. No. Um, you've got, what, Louisville? Louisville at home. Not feeling great about that game either. You've got UNC with that Mac is back mentality. Don't feel good about that. Not feeling great about that. At Wake Forest, I feel surprisingly good about. Why? If, if they can get some players back just because um, the storyline of Davis lost to them like two straight years in bad fashion. If there is one team that he wants to and feels like he should be able to beat, it's Wake Forest. You know, you don't love this at Wake Forest, but I think this team, especially off of a blowout loss, you know, they've got something to prove, and they're going to go into West of Salem ready to play. So I would think at Wake Forest they win uh, versus Clemson they lose. Versus Louisville they gut out a win. Um, and I would say two losses to end the year. Yeah, so I like Georgia Tech. I think that's a pretty decent chance to win that game. The rest of them, I have no idea. <laughs> because I, lo- I look at Wake Forest, and I want to feel confident. Yeah. Wake Forest has only lost one game. Yeah. It was to Louisville, but it was a 62-59 game. That game was insane. Yeah, insane <laughs> game. And I'm I'm just not sure that NC State can 
compete with that type of offense. We're not going to really preview it now. Yeah. We'll preview it next week. Yeah. But, you know, that's that'll be a tough game. And I'm not – I want to say that NC State wins two of those four games or two of the last five, including Clemson. But I don't know if they will. It's definitely not a shoe-in. No. It's not. No. But I think, you know, it's good when you're making predictions to just understand what a coach can't do. Right, so a couple of weeks ago, when I was predicting a Michigan game, I was like, "Look, Jim Harbaugh has to be at least one good game this year, right?" And they won just one good team, you know, against one good team. Dave Doran cannot, cannot miss out on bowl season this year, right? It's a rebuilding year, but NC State fans need certain things. One of them is a bowl, and I think he's gonna find a way. Whether it's gutting out a win against UNC and Mac, they're gonna get to six. Don't know how. But I think it's, you know, it's a shoe-in that they will. Yeah, so real quick, I'm going to go through our little beginning of the season predictions, okay? <laughs> so three three editors, if you include sports editors and yourself, right. had eight and four record. Right. That's not happening. Right. I had seven and five. That probably isn't happening either. Right. Offensive MVP. You have a Matthew McKay. You have so two Amezis. So much for that. And a Zonovan Knight. So much for that. Well, Zonovan could if he comes Maybe. back, but not looking great. Defensive MVP, you have two Jerry's Moreheads. Oh, absolutely not. Nope. Uh, a Murchison. Mm-hmm. That was you. That you could argue that one. Yeah, I'm a fan of that actually. And uh, James Smith Williams was the was the fourth one. He's been hurt, yeah. which hurts that, but yeah. that's a solid pick. Let, all right, best win, two Syracuse, probably the case. <laughs> one Clemson. <laughs> That's Who not, said that? What? You, you did, bro. What? what do you mean? Who said that? You that's, said that. That's insane. Whatever. I have no idea who would say that. And then what? a Florida State. And then breakout player, Matt McKay. No. Zonovan Knight. Mm. Isaiah Moore, which yeah. was yours. Yeah, that was... Uh, it, it's not bad. Uh, yeah. And then I put Tabari Hines, who hasn't contributed a whole lot yet. So. Yeah. In hindsight, I would say, what? Breakout player, Jordan Houston? Jordan Houston, Jordan probably, Houston. yeah. Maybe, you know, on the defensive side, Payne Wilson. Yeah, he's better. Well. out. Yeah. Um, definitely not Clemson for best win. No. Yeah, a little pick. off on that one. Well, it was messed up because uh, UNC ruined it for me by playing Clemson close that one time. That's true. They, have, they get one <laughs> game a year where they, yeah, they yeah. mess up. But yeah. they, they I watched the game and I was like, well, there goes that pick. Upset. <laughs> So closest thing was probably best win Syracuse is probably. Yeah. Which Syracuse isn't good. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but, but they're not gonna get that many more wins this year. No, they won't. Unless we want to put ECU, ECU. No, nope, I don't think so. Six, no, nope. uh, not feeling that. No. Nope. All right, I think we're gonna end it there. We'll be back next week with a preview of Wake Forest. Um, until then, enjoy the bye week where you don't have to watch NC State play football. Uh, to close things out, I'm your host, technician sports editor Camden Spate. I'm assistant sports editor Jake Cacavaro, and I'm video editor Jalen Harrington. And we'll see you guys next week.